Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of the Best Life Moms Club and hosts of That Pregnancy Podcast. We are two moms with a bunch of kids under the age of three. Five to be exact. And we know firsthand how hard it is to be a mom. So we're talking about all the topics that no one ever talked to us about. And not only is it hard being a mom, but it can be lonely and isolating, which is another reason why we're here to help moms like you know that you're not alone. Now, it's important to know that we are not doctors or medical professionals in any way. So always talk to your doctor or healthcare provider with any questions or concerns about your health or the health of your baby. We are moms sharing our lived experience and talking about all things pregnancy and life as a mom. So let's have a chat. Hello and welcome to That Pregnancy Podcast. This week is part two of our conversation with Meredith, where we talk about her birth story. Everything from the first signs of labor to her emergency C-section. Just a warning that because this was an emergency C-section, it would be classified as a traumatic birth, which she talks about. However, the C-section goes smoothly and both baby and mom are healthy. I always recommend to our listeners to go check out our C-section episodes in the event that you end up with an emergency C-section, you'll be a little bit prepared. So if you go way back, you can check out episodes three, five, and six. Speaking of previous episodes, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, I'd suggest you do that first, since Meredith talked about her infertility journey and her pregnancy. As I mentioned last week, this has been an extra special series for us because Meredith is the first mom in our mommy mentorship program to share her story with you. She's gladly volunteered and we've had a few others who've told us they'd be happy to share their experiences as well. If you're new to the podcast, our mommy mentorship program is our low cost membership that guides you from your pregnancy through your first year of motherhood. Our fantastic group of ladies share experiences, encourage each other and lend a listening ear when you need it. Katie and I go live every Wednesday in our private Facebook group, where we basically do a live podcast where you can interact with us. And if you can't make it live, you can catch the replay. We also have our amazing guest expert masterclasses, as well as our monthly information guides with a wealth of knowledge of everything you need to know when you need to know it. All of this to support you on your journey into motherhood. If you'd like more information, you can find it at bestlifemomsclub.com or to sign up, go directly to mummymentorship.com. With that, here's the episode. So now we get into kind of the more fun story. <laughs> fun in quotation marks, I think. <laughs> but now we get into the fun story of your labor delivery birth experience. So yeah. last week we talked about in the last episode, you talked about your journey with infertility and your experiences with that, as well as your pregnancy care under a midwife. And then I think it naturally just picks up. Did you go full term? Yes. So 39 weeks, I went to the midwife. I guess it was 39 weeks in one day and nothing was happening. Fully not dilated. And I was like, okay, here we go. I'm going to be one of those first time moms who's like 42 weeks pregnant. Um, My mom was massively overdue with all of us 
uh, I'm the oldest. So she was like three weeks overdue with me. They don't even let you go that far now. No. Um, so I sort of had it in my head that I was going to be late. Um, that said, as soon as I went off, so I went the Thursday, I was 39 weeks and one day went to the midwife. And then the Friday was my last day teaching had like a little baby shower with the kids virtually. It was really sweet. And then by Monday, I was like going insane. I was like, I'm ready to have the baby. I'm ready to be done being pregnant. And everyone was like, well, you're not even at 40 weeks yet. Like you could have a while to go. And I was like, no, like I can't do it anymore. And then on my due date, I went to the midwife and I was one centimeter dilated. So things were starting, which was good. And she said, do you want to do a stretch and sweep? And I was like, okay, that's not fun. Don't care for that. So she had said like, oh, if you're dilated, we can do a stretch and sweep. I was like, okay. And then she was like doing the exam. And then I guess she started doing it, this stretch and sweep, but I didn't really realize. And I was like kind of breathing through the pain, whatever. And she was like, you just tell me when we've had enough and we can stop. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize this thing you were doing was optional. Okay. Like I thought this, whatever she was doing was like necessary. Um, so she stopped and everything, she said, everything was good. Baby like was low and was measuring great and was fine. And I had scheduled an ultrasound for 41 weeks. So the following week, just to check if everything, if she was still okay. And because you were now yeah. at full term. At full term. So basically what the midwife said, they said book it because they've been a little bit be like behind their son kind of wherever they were sending me was like over, like there was a lot going on. So they said, just like book it now so that you have it in case. Um, so that was the Wednesday. And then we were still in the middle of pandemic and Thursday my mom had made a reservation for us to go out for lunch because it was warm in October. So patios were still open because it was the only way they restaurants could be open for in person. So we had made this reservation to go out for lunch, but then it was raining. So my mom said, I'll just pick up something for lunch and come over to your house. Cause we obviously can't go sit on a patio and Brendan was on half days. So we were eating lunch and like something was happening, but the midwives had said, it's not a sort of real contraction unless it pulls your focus. And it wasn't really pulling my focus. Like I was just sort of eating lunch and being like, oh, that's weird. Something might be happening. So, and so my when mom you, was kind of like, when you, sorry, when you say something was happening, but it wasn't pulling your focus, you were having contractions, but they were just kind of like, kind of aches. How would you get, yeah, like how would was, you describe it? Yeah, like it was. So like it would happen, I would be like, oh, that, like I can feel it. Um, but it, it, it didn't like, it didn't hurt per se. It was just sort of like a, oh, that's something is going on. Um, but it, yeah, it wasn't like I was still having a conversation and it didn't hurt a lot. I, I think like I thought maybe at the time it was Braxton Hicks because I hadn't really had any, but I wasn't sure. And then I finished lunch and my mom was like, oh, you go have a nap. And Were they like, regular? Yeah, good idea. Were they regular? No. So I went and had a nap and um, I'm a big napper. I love napping. And I Ooh, me went too. and laid down. Uh, and that was one part of being off work for three like weekdays. And I had napped every day because I didn't have anything else to do. And I went and laid down and then... 
I couldn't sleep, which is weird for me. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe this is something more. And then another thing the midwife had said is like, get in the bath. And if it's like false labor or Braxton Hicks, they'll stop in hot water. And I got in the bath and they didn't stop. And that was when they started. So this was probably around, so we'd had lunch around noon. So this was around 2, 2.30. And I was like, Brendan, I think you need to start timing because I think, like, I think something's happening. He's like, okay. And so they were 10 minutes apart and only about 30 seconds, but they were like consistent. It's like, okay, maybe we're going. So I was in the bath and had a snack and I remember we like made dinner um, and we were watching Parks and Rec and it was October and we had bought um, Halloween candy for trick-or-treaters. And I was like kind of nervous. And I just started like power eating mini chocolate bars. <laughs> big mistake that would come back to haunt me later oh no Um, it was good at the time not so good later it was great yeah I was like yeah having chocolate parks and rec and I was kind of like in this sort of um like I was like nervous kind of like nervous giddy energy of like oh it's happening first baby like ah, we're doing it chocolate ah." (laughs) um and then by about seven we had hit um, five one one, so five minutes apart. Contractions were one minute long, and that had been going on for an hour. And that was when they had said like page the midwife, so we page the midwife, and we also called my mom to come and get the dog. And that sort of happened at the same time. So like my mom was there, and the midwife was there, and my dog was all excited. Um, so my mom took the dog, and the midwife checked me, and she was like, "Oh yeah, you're in labor, but you're only at um, two centimeters." So like we got a long way to go. So so, so your mom had left after your lunch. Yes. Yeah, so my mom left. Did she know that you were feeling like that you were having irregular contractions? Yeah. So I she she sort of said like Meredith, I think you're ha- like having contractions. I was like, no, probably not. Like I'm gonna be late, whatever. And I think she kind of knew. No, probably um, not, but you were already full term. You know, but yeah. you know, you know what? That's so funny because like with Maeve, my mom was the exact same way. We were having dinner and she was like, mm, giving me side eye. I'm like, no, I'm fine. Like it was totally something similar. It's so funny how we just like disregard it. Right. Right. And I, I think too, like I had spent all those days being like, I don't want to wait anymore. But then I also think in the moment, the idea of being in labor was really kind of scary. And I was like, no, 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 it's not happening. It's fine. Like if I just pretend it's not happening, it won't happen. But I was handling things pretty well at that point. The minute I checked, she was like, yep, you're two centimeters, you're in active labor, but like we got a long way to go. And she said, so um, you're good to stay here. She's like, you don't need me right now. Um, Page me if your water breaks, page me if contractions are uh, less than three minutes apart um or if you can't handle the pain okay um so she left and she also said it like if things get a bit harder getting back in the bath might be helpful for you so okay um so I did eventually get back in the bath and then things started to like ramp up and I wasn't handling the pain really well and I remember at 10 saying to Brendan 
um, we're going to page the midwife at 11. And so how in my mind, I was like, I can do another hour and then we'll page her and she'll come back and we'll get an update. And then in that hour, things in my mind felt really intense. So when she came in at 11, I was not doing well. Like I was like, this hurts. I don't want to do this anymore. Like I need, I'm ready for an epidural. And she's like, okay, I'll check you. I was only three centimeters. So she's like, you can't have an epidural until, um, four centimeters. We, she said, we can go to the hospital, but your only option at three centimeters or three and a half centimeters, I think I was, was, is morphine. And she said, to do morphine, we have to monitor you and the baby for a minimum of an hour um, to make sure everything's good. And then we can admit you and do morphine. Because of the pandemic, that all would have happened in triage and I would have had to triage alone. So Brendan wouldn't have been able to be with me. And I was like, well, no, I can't do this alone. I can barely do this with him here. Like, I'm not doing that. And she's like, okay. So she said, if you can wait till four centimeters, then you don't have to triage. You're in midwife care. We just admit you directly. And she said, if the timing is right, and it usually is at this time of night, we can have the anesthesiologist meet you in the room. So like, we can have an epidural waiting for you if you can just get to four centimeters. I was like, okay, I can... I can do that. And in my mind, having a plan really helped because I was like, I just have to get to another like centimeter dilated and then I can do it. And I remember also at that point during contractions, I had started saying, I can't. And she was like, you have to stop saying that yes. because every time you say I can't, your body believes you. So you, you have to figure out something different to say. I was like, okay. Um, I don't know what I, I think I, I eventually started saying, let it go, like letting the contraction go. But she gave me a shot of gravel, which I didn't like liquid gravel, which I didn't know you could, didn't know. I didn't know um, you could inject. And that really helped. I didn't know you could inject yeah, gravel. I, yeah. It takes effect like right away too. Like it like, yeah, it was, as soon as it goes yeah. in, it like takes the edge off. It's amazing. And also too, when you were at your, the, I can't stage, that is a really common stage for women. And it's, yeah. it, and it, and it's like this mental psychological hurdle that you have to get over when you're, you feel like you're peaking in pain and it just seems so insurmountable. And it is so common. I've heard that from so many women where they hit this point where they're just like, I can't do this anymore. And it's totally, like you said, you have to change your mindset so that you can move forward. Totally. And I also think at that point, so I'd only been in labor. Um, that was, so that was around 1130, I guess I'd only been in labor like nine hours or something. And it hadn't even been like heavy going probably for maybe four hours of like consistent five minutes or less. So I was kind of like, I got to figure out how to get through this. The gravel really helped in the sense that it didn't take a ton of the pain off, but between contractions, I remember feeling like I was almost falling asleep. Like it really helped me like come down between, between contractions. Like I could really just like stop and rest. And I remember I was lying not on our bed because our bed was too tall. I was lying on our guest bed and Brennan was lying on the floor holding my hand because he'd been tried to lie behind me and it like wasn't working. Um, so he was lying on the floor holding my hand and between contractions, I was like almost falling asleep. It felt like, and then a contraction would start and I would like wake up. And I remember 
she left and Brennan was like, why is she leaving? Because I'm only three and a half. Like she, there's nothing for her to do here. Like it's not a good use of her time to just stand here and watch me like have contractions when I'm only three and a half centimeters dilated. So she left before midnight. That's so interesting that you said that she left because I have always assumed that like once you are in active labor, your midwife is there guiding you. Not that you had to be at like a minimum dilation point for them to stay with you. I just assumed that they would, and maybe it's different with different midwife clinics and things, but my impression was always like, once you're in labor and you're in active labor, you have a midwife with you. That's so interesting that yours didn't stay. So there's a few things here. At the time, I didn't know this, but the midwife that was supporting me so last episode, I mentioned that I was, our midwife clinic had like, we had a mom, like they hooked us up with a mom due date group for our prenatal class. So I found out later that one of the moms in my group, her baby was born the night before and the midwife that delivered our baby delivered her baby. So I think uh, part of the reason she left was because she had already worked overnight um, the night before and I was doing okay, I think. And things seem to be progressing slowly. Um, but Brennan was really like, why is she leaving? Like, oh my God. And I was like, well, I'm just have, like having contractions. I would have so felt the she same left way. Before- I-, I also think I was like, so in my head that I was kind of like, uh, I don't even really know who's here or what's going on. I'm just like focused on my body and the pain. Um, so she left, that was before midnight. And then things I remember, it was really hard. And I was feeling like, this is hard. I, like, this is pain. Like, oh my goodness. And contractions were about a minute. And I know there was a break in between, but I, I also think I'd have a contraction and then I would just be like waiting for the next one, like sort of in my brain, like it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It's here. And then just before two o'clock, um, my water broke. And I remember Katie, when you talked about Maeve's birth story, you used the term all hell broke loose. Absolutely. That's yeah. yeah. That's essentially what happened to me. I didn't realize it, but so my water broke and they the midwife had spent a lot of time saying before, like, not everybody's water breaks like in the movies, like whatever. Mine was like a water balloon popping. Like it was like and I like felt it and I was like, Brendan, my water just broke, like, oh my God. And it was like a huge gush and I was like I was lying down and it was crazy. So he paged the midwife. You were still at yeah, home? still at home. Okay. Still at home. Paige mm-hmm. midwife, and she was asking to, like, look, and, like, what do you see? And it was fine. Like, there was nothing concerning in my water breaking. Um, and she was like, okay, um, I'm on my way over. Like, great job. So that was just before 2. And she arrived around 2.30, maybe just a little bit before. Um and she came up, we were upstairs and she came up and she's like, okay, I'm just gonna, um, like she asked how I was doing. And I said, good. I said, I kind of feel like I need to go to the washroom when I'm having contractions. And she was like, okay, um, after I check you, if you want to try, you can, but it's probably just the baby, like putting pressure down there. You probably don't actually need to go to the bathroom. I was like, no, okay. And so she checked me and the way I was lying on the bed, she kind of had to get on the bed to check. And so she checked me twice before like during labor and both times when she was checking me if I was going to have a contraction I would tell her and she would sort of stop checking me um but this time this was my first like 
red flag kind of going off. I said, okay, I'm going to have a contraction. She was like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to stay in here. I'm just going to stay. And I was like, that's weird. Had a contraction. She was still there. And then she got off the bed. And I remember she like got right down beside my face. And so this is two thirty ish. And she said, so Meredith, you're nine and a half centimeters dilated. <gasps> no. Oh my God. So in two and a half hours, I had dilated six centimeters. <gasps> so she's like, you're nine and a half centimeters dilated. I was like, okay. And she said, and I can feel the baby for the first time. And the baby is bummed down. <gasps> and I was like, okay. And she was like, the only option at this point is a C-section. You have to have a C-section. And I was like, uh, wh- what? You were still at home. I know. <sighs> so, yeah. So if I hadn't been, at, if she hadn't, the baby hadn't been breached, she would have been born at home. There wouldn't have been time. So just to back up here a little bit, I had mentioned on the last podcast that if I had, some people have said like, if I hadn't been in midwife care, maybe they would have caught the fact that she was breached. So I think it's true with an OB in the last like four weeks of your pregnancy, you go every week. Yes. So I had gone at 36, 37, 38, 39, 40 weeks. So in that time span, I'd had three different midwives check me and not one of them even had an inkling that the baby was breached. So no one had any idea. Like usually they told me after if they have any anything that's suggesting maybe the baby's breached, they would send you for an ultrasound. But three different midwives checked me. Not one of them had any idea. Yeah, because you so, because they would have tried to flip her. Mm-hmm. They would have tried to flip her. We would have confirmed it. They would have Yeah. And that I don't know how been- doing but that would have been like what usually they say, like once around 36 weeks, if you're breached, then you're kind of breached till the end because there's not right. enough space to like naturally flip. Totally. So what had happened, they think based on the way she came out is that, so I keep saying she, we didn't even know it was a girl at this point. It was a surprise, but the baby had, she had her hands by her ears and then her feet outside her hands. So they couldn't, because of the way her hands were her they couldn't move her head as much so that's how they that's how they tell the difference between the head and the bum but because of the way she was in there they couldn't tell like they they were just guessing they assumed her bum was her head and that she was the right way because her arms were yeah, so, her hands were holding her yeah. and they couldn't jiggle mm-hmm. her because that's what they do yeah. like when they find the body they kind of move around on your belly and they jiggle to figure out okay this is the head yeah, because you can actually exactly. see them like in your pelvis, like doing a top, di- like on your belly, moving around. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's why we missed it. And so, again, three different midwives. And actually, I remember the mid, the three midwives that checked me, um, the midwife that delivered um, Matilda was young, like was around our age. And then the other two midwives were, one of them is close to retirement and one of them was more in the middle of her career. So there was three different midwives at three different stages of their careers and not one of them had a single, like it wasn't on anybody's radar. And so, so the midwife's like down by my face and she's like, the baby is breached. We have to like, you have to have a C-section. Um, and I remember feeling really like overwhelmed and like, oh my God, what? 
And I said to her, I said, okay, um, what happens now? And she said, you have to put on pants and you have to get in the car. And I was like, nope, I'm not doing either of those things. Nope. Like, I don't want to do that. And she was like, you don't have a choice. Like you can have one more contraction and then you have to, like, you have to. And I was like, okay. So I finished the contraction. Brendan found me leggings. I put them on. And Why then did she make I didn't realize on? Like, just go without Good pants. Good question. I would have wrapped a towel around my waist and been like, yeah. yeah. Like, screw the pants. Don't make me put pants on because I'm just going to have to take yeah. them off. I know. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> and actually, it was funny at the time. The idea of putting on pants and getting in the car, but really putting on the pants, that was like way much of a bigger barrier than having a C-section. I was like, I don't want to put, no, like, I'm not doing that mentally like how did you were you calm or kind of were you just in the state of shock of like oh my god I can't process this because I'm in so like I am in full-blown labor you just yeah. like well how were you mentally did you break down or did you just kind of yeah you went into shock I was just like uh and I figured out later that the reason I felt like I had to go to the washroom was because I was in transition like I didn't know that Right. right. And yeah. part of the reason I wasn't handling the pain, part of the reason I was like, I need an epidural, I need an epidural was because everyone had said transition is like it's the, the most intense part of contractions. Yeah. And I remember thinking it was really bad. And in my head, I was like, we're not even at the hard part yet. Like if, if this is going to get that much harder, I of course need an epidural. Turns out it was hard, that hard because it was we in transition. Right. Yeah. So and then I remember, so Brendan helped me put on pants and then both Brendan and the midwife sort of disappeared. Brent, Brendan went to get our bag in the car seat and the midwife was calling the hospital to like tell them we were coming and that they needed to have an OR ready. So they're both doing what they're supposed to do. But I remember standing at the top of the stairs like, uh, I'm alone. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't know where they were. Brendan, I found out later, was getting the stuff and also freaking out because he had just also got misinformation um and so the other thing the midwife said to me and this was what really scared me she said if you get the urge to push you can't you have to fight it you cannot push and I was like panicking because I was like oh my god what how do I everyone says that's so hard like I don't know thankfully I never I never felt the overwhelming urge to push that people talk about okay hold on so did you and Brendan drive separate from the midwife or did the midwife come with you in your car? No, she went in her car. We live very close to the hospital. Like I'm sorry. What? Three minutes. I would well, Okay. Oh my God. I would have been like, hell no, you are coming. Because if you're telling me I can't push, I need you to be yelling that in my face. That puts a lot so of responsibility the, on you. Totally. So the reason... She, she was going it's because she had to scrub in right like she so this we had been told before so if you need intervention um mom stops being in care of the midwife but baby doesn't right right so because I was having a c-section I switched to care of the OB like a surgeon but the baby was still in the care of the midwife so she had to drive separate because she had to essentially like beat us there park in wherever staff parking is and then she had to scrub in because she had to be in the OR right so that's where she went 
it was crazy at the time also. So Brennan's like loading the car and she's on the phone. Like I can hear her on the phone with the hospital saying like, yep, she's nine and a half centimeters. Like we need an OR, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like coming down the stairs and I was doing okay. Cause I was between contractions. And then I remember I was standing on the front lawn, holding onto our front porch, like having a contraction alone, like on the, it's like two 30 in the morning. <laughs> I'm like contracting in the street. And we're being like, Brendan, what are you doing? And he was like, I'm just putting stuff in the car. And I was like, it's two things. What are you like? It's a car seat and a suitcase. Like, what are you doing? And then he finally came and he like got me because I had a contraction by myself and I got in the car. And that was another thing I was really didn't want to have contractions in the car. I was like really afraid of that. Um, but we live really close to the hospital. So I only had one on the way. Um, it was okay. And I remember I had this thought, I was in shock, but I had, I was like looking around and the city was like empty and kind of it, everything looked like it was glowing red and it was the red lights and Brendan's like driving and he's like, do I run red lights? Do I not run red lights? Like, oh, what do I do? Um, and then we got to the hospital. So like, I remember driving in the car and getting there and Brendan like helped me out of the car and they had a wheelchair waiting for me. And that whole part had felt like really like quiet and it had this weird red glow and then we got to the hospital and it was just like lights and noise and people and I was alone because Brendan had to park the car and they like take me in the wheelchair and they like take me into the OR and then suddenly there's like 18 people being like hi I'm this person I'm the surgeon and hi I'm this person I'm gonna help you do this and hi I'm this and I was just like Ugh. wow like it was so overwhelming Especially when you're not expecting it, right? Like you totally didn't expect this at all. You weren't at all prepared for it, right? Not at all. I guess they told us in my class, like if you have to have an emergency C-section, there's suddenly going to be a lot of people around. But in my head, if that was going to happen, I was going to have been at the hospital for a while. And I was going to also at 1130 or midnight, she had said to me, you have a long way, way to go. Like we're not close so in the span of three hours we went from like you're so far away from having a baby to like things are happening right now um so they put me in the chair and they're like, we're going to take you into the or it's going to be bright and cold like be ready and they weren't kidding we like went in the door and then they just to get my pants off me because i had pants on why do you put pants on don't know <laughs> yeah so then we were in the or and then I remember feeling like I was in an episode of Grey's Anatomy because there was so much happening around me and people were like yelling about glove sizes and they were talking about instruments and yes, doctor, you can have whatever you need. And like, I'm having contractions by myself and no one is paying attention to me. And I'm just like, ah. and then I remember I kept saying like, where's Brendan? Where's the midwife? And everyone was ignoring me because they were all doing their work like they have to do. And then finally a nurse like took pity on me and like sat me up and put her forehead on my forehead and like talked me through a few contractions, um, which was really nice. And then the anesthesiologist showed up and he was the best. <laughs> um, um, he was great. And he was, I, he has to, cause it's his job, but he kept talking to me and saying like, what's your name? How many weeks are you? How much do you weigh? How tall are you? And I know he has to ask those questions for the medicine, like to make sure he's giving me the right dosage, but he like kept asking and it really helped because I had something to like focus on that wasn't contractions. And then right before they put the epidural in, 
um, my midwife like appeared beside me. And that was when I was like, oh, thank God. And like, she was there and she was like talking to me and holding my head. And then the meds kicked in and then everything like sort of calmed down and I was feeling okay. And then I remember just saying like, where's Brendan? Where's Brendan? Where's Brendan? And then something really funny happened. So they had been asking how much do I weigh? How tall are you? And then they kept saying, oh, watch out. She's really tall. Watch your feet. She's really tall. I'm only 5'10". I'm not like, I'm tall, I guess, but I'm not like super tall. I'm 5'10 too. Well, we count as tall. Okay. So they, they were like, they could not get over it. Like they were just like, watch your feet. She's really tall. Like we need this. She's really tall. And then Brendan came in and they were like, oh, hike that screen up. He's really tall too. Like get that screen up higher. It's too tall. And I was like, what's happening right now? Um, so then Brendan came in and that was when I lost it. Like I started crying and I was just like, oh, this is really scary. And then he was there and he was crying. And I remember he said to me, so what do you think? Like, cause they said, baby's coming soon. Like almost time. What do you think? And I said, I think baby Max is going to be here soon. Now, Max was the name we had kind of talked about, but it was not our like top boy name choice. So I don't know in that like chaos state, I was like, well, it's a boy. Obviously his name's going to be Max. And I was convinced it was a boy. Um, and then I remember they said like, okay, watch, watch the table. The baby's coming. And then the baby like went over my head. Like I, I saw them take the baby over my head. And then I don't know, Amanda, if you felt like this, but it was like the longest, it felt so long until the baby cried. Like, I just remember like waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And it was probably like seconds, but in the moment it felt like so long. I'm trying to think. So with the boys, I remember Keith wore his GoPro and I remember thinking it must be going to happen soon. I'm like, you better turn your camera on. And then as soon as he did that, it was like, they were born like right away. But I don't really remember oh, wow. listening for them crying. Isn't that weird? Like I was so out of it. <laughs> that maybe I was just trying not to focus on it. And Keith was like distracting me. But everyone was like talking. It could also have been like Meredith, like you were so focused on hearing her cry because there was just so much chaos and fear around what was happening that whereas like Amanda was so relaxed and like you know, this is planned, everything's calm, cool, collected, even though she was nervous and everything, but like in the moment of the massive stress and emergency that you were in, I wonder yeah. if that's maybe the difference. Like you were like, okay, I need to know that she's okay because everything else is just so crazy. Yeah. And I just remember feeling like, and it can't have been more than a couple seconds, right? Like, cause she was fine. Um, she had like, she had like a scored a nine on the Apgar scale or whatever like she was fine but I just remember it felt like so long and then I remember she cried and then Brennan and I like locked eyes and start, I was already crying but he started crying and then I remember we were just sitting there and then someone was like dad do you have a camera like come take a picture and we still didn't know if it was a boy or a girl and I remember so just before she had come out I had said like oh it's gonna be a boy and then Brennan said like something just flipped in his brain and they hadn't told him and he stood up and he said is it a girl? And they were like, yes, it is. And I was like, what? Like, oh my God. And so Brennan went over and took her picture and then they brought her to me and put her like on me, which was lovely. Although I was still really overwhelmed because it was a video. Brennan took a video of her like on my chest and I just look shocked. Like I'm just like blinking and looking around because anesthesia and everything, whatever. Yeah. And so 
then I remember I could hear the surgeon um, counting stitches. So she was like one, two, three, four, five, one, two, she was counting. And then I remember a pediatrician like appeared beside my head and he was like, so the baby um, was in breach and was essentially folded in half. And because I was in transition, she was getting pulled like bum first into the birth canal. So he said, so she's going to be bent, like her legs are going to be, her hips are really tight and her feet are going to be up for a while. And she's got some bruising. And he said, but both of those things will like resolve on their own fairly quickly. And I was like, barely process. What are you saying? I was like, okay, like, sure. And then he left. Um, and I still had the baby on me and she was doing great. Um, and then they uh, were going to roll me into recovery. And again, the me being really tall thing came up again. And they were like, we need the longer, whatever. She's really tall. So they like transferred me and we went to recovery. Um, and that was great. And then, so in recovery, it was just Brendan and I and the baby and our midwife and then a nurse from the hospital. And so the midwife was great. The midwife was like checking her and um, like, just talking to us about her and saying like, look at this, she's whatever. And it was lovely. I remember that was an hour there. It was just like lovely. And Brendan went and called my mom because I didn't know this, but he had called my mom while he was waiting, like while I was there prepping me for surgery. Um, he had called my mom because she hadn't been asleep because she was too excited. So he went to call her to tell her that I was okay and that the baby was here and that it was a girl. And then um, she was lying on me and she, she was like snorting like a, like a pug, like a puppy. And I thought it was so funny. I don't know if it was just the meds or the adrenaline or what, but I was like laughing hysterically because she was like making this really funny snorting sound and no one else thought it was that funny. Like Brendan wasn't laughing and the nurses weren't, but I thought it was really funny. I really and then after like an hour and that could have been like your emotional like release of everything right like just you know how sometimes totally. like when people are in a really stressful situation or after instead of crying they laugh like that could have very well yeah. been your body just like releasing all that that fear and everything totally so then they rolled us to our room and um that was okay and then so that was so I'd gone into labor Thursday so that was Friday morning and then so Friday afternoon, the midwife came back and she she basically like walked us through what had happened. And what she said was, and I didn't realize this at the time, that between her determining that the baby was breech and Matilda being born was 59 minutes. So. Wow. Yeah. That was really quick. <laughs> yeah. It felt like wow. way longer, but like you have to like from her saying like the baby's breech, we have to go to the hospital, put on pants and the baby being like brought out was less than an hour. So wow, crazy. Yeah. And so we had to be in the hospital for two days because of um, like C-section recovery, 48 hours. And then we went home. And everything was okay with Matilda, like you know, besides being a little bruised and folded in half, did her hips eventually release? Yeah. So I had, I was a little worried she was going to need physio, but they said like, by the time we left, they said like, no, she's like sort of unbending enough that it shouldn't be a problem. And it, it wasn't. Um, they did say that she'd probably been breached for weeks. And so really 
a C-section was going to, like, if we had known about it, it would have been a scheduled C-section. There was no avoiding that. We just didn't, no one knew because we hadn't had a scan because there was no reason to have a scan. Because your pregnancy was healthy. Yeah. And she was fine. Like, like, so the other thing that happened in the hospital was a social worker came to talk to me. And this was like the, like four hours after she was born or something, a social worker came and said, so uh, what happened to you is considered a trauma. Um, And so this is the support, like these are resources available to support you. And I remember when she said, I was like, it wasn't a trauma. Everything's fine. Like, what are you talking about? And she was like, yeah, okay, well, here's like, here you go. And then as the days went on, I started realizing like, oh yeah, she's right. This is very like traumatic because as I started like processing what had happened, like just lots of different things started, like lots of different emotions and things I thought about, but she was right. It was a trauma, but the good thing was it was only a trauma for me. Matilda was fine. Like she had no, no health issues, nothing like that. She had a little bit of trouble latch, latching, but that wasn't a like birth related issue. That was just her. That's fairly common too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had now, flat nipples, I guess. Oh yeah. With the social worker coming to speak to you, did she, was she asking like, who do you have to support you? And were those some of the questions that she asked? Like, how are you feeling? Yeah. Who do you have with mm-hmm. you? Who can you talk to? Yeah. And so um, I have like, I'm an anxious person and was anxious before I was pregnant and that sort of thing. So I go to therapy with some regularity. So I said like, oh, I have a therapist already. And she said, great. Like, do you would you be able to see her in the next little bit? And at the time I was like, I don't need that. I don't know what you're talking about, but I was like, yeah, yeah. Like she's no problem. And she was right. I had to go to therapy. Like when Matilda was like three weeks old, because I was not handling, like I wasn't processing the trauma of the craziness very well. Um, But she, so she asked about that. She asked like, who is with me? She asked about our care. So when I said, we're in midwife care, she said, okay, that's good. They'll come like, you have 24 hour support there if you need it. Um, and Brendan and Brendan was there and Brendan talked to her as well. So that was good. Okay. Yeah. I, I had similar questions with Ben. And so now like, good for you for, you know, being open and realizing that you needed to process and you needed support to get through what had happened to you because that is absolutely a traumatic birth. Yeah. Um, I also like, I, like I said, I'm sort of, I have a baseline of anxiety that I just deal with on a regular basis. And then traumatic birth combined with, as any new parent will tell you, the like exhaustion of not sleeping was really ramping my anxiety up. And I remember, so the midwife came, so we got released on Sunday, the midwife came on Monday and then again on Wednesday. And I remember on Wednesday, the midwife asked how I was doing. And I remember I said like, not not well, like, uh, yeah. And she said, like, I'm really glad you said that. A lot of moms feel like they need to say like, well, everything's fine, I'm good, everything's great. She's like, I really appreciate you being honest. And she helped me like make a plan. Like she said, okay, so we're gonna, you're gonna call your therapist, you're gonna get an appointment, Brennan's gonna do this. I remember that midwife, this was not the midwife that delivered Matilda, she was great. And she said, so you need to sleep. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna pump a lot during the day today you're going to leave Brendan with some bottles you're going to take some gravel and you're going to sleep for six hours Brendan's not going to wake you up 
for six hours. You're not going to pump. Like you're, you're going to wake up and you're going to be leaking and everything, but you're going to sleep for six hours and Brendan's going to manage the baby. And she was right. Cause I remember I woke up. So I went to bed at eight and I woke up Brendan. It actually was longer than six hours. Brendan managed her till about three. And I remember I woke up and I felt like, Whoa, like I feel like a real like person. Um, but I was really grateful because her, like that plan came from her. It wasn't, and it, it gave me permission to do that. Like mm-hmm. Brendan was great. He was like, of course you should do that. But he had suggested like, why don't you sleep? I'll take the baby. And I hadn't really wanted to, but with her saying like, this is what you're going to do. This is the plan. It gave me permission to do that, I guess. Yeah. Sometimes you need like, for whatever reason, even though you realize, yes, like I do need sleep. Sometimes you do just need someone in an authority figure to say either, yes, you need to sleep, or this is what you're going to do, or you are doing exactly what you need to be doing. You're doing an amazing job, right? Like even it does, when you have somebody tell you that who, you know, or as a friend or family, you know, and they can put that and we just say, yeah, yeah. Kind of take it as lip service, but then it really does. Sometimes we do just need to hear it from somebody who is a professional. Totally. And um, I really enjoyed midwife care like while I was pregnant, but they were just so amazing helping me like process the traumatic birth and helping with breastfeeding and all of that. Like they were so wonderful in the um, fourth trimester. It was really, really great. They were the ones that helped me figure out um, breastfeeding. We also saw a lactation consultant, but the first time Matilda latched was the midwife was there and got her, like helped her um, latch. They were really wonderful with care. And we figured out breastfeeding that took a long, a long time. Like she wasn't solely on the breast until like she was almost two months. So I was pumping around the clock and it was, ugh. yep. Me too. Yeah. yeah. It happens, right? Yeah. It's a lot of work, but I mean, I'm really glad we stuck with it. Um, my mom always says like, Meredith, you stuck with that way longer than a lot of people would have. Yeah. Um, but I really, I don't know why that was also like a big block I couldn't get over. I had the same thing with Finn. My mom was consistently telling me, you know, just stop. Like it's, it's not worth what you're doing to yourself. And for whatever reason, I had a mental block. I wonder if it has to do with the trauma. Yeah. I also know, I I actually, I know exactly where it comes from. So in the hospital, they give you all this like literature about like all the stuff for baby care. And one of the ones is the breastfeeding one. And I remember I used to like look at it in the middle of the night, which was not good. Brennan eventually took it away, but it's like a page that talks about the like benefits of breastfeeding versus formula. And basically, I don't know if it was just my sleep deprived state, but like when you read it, it's so like intense and like almost fear mongering. It is what it like makes it like. It's very heavy handed. Yeah. Yeah. Like obesity and all these like obesity and diabetes and all these like crazy things that are going to happen to your baby if you give them formula. And like logically in my brain, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Lots of babies are formula fed and are wonderful. Right. And you would have no, you don't look at a kindergarten class and pick out which kids are formula fed because it doesn't matter and I knew that logically but like with the trauma and the sleep deprivation I just like couldn't get past this like feeling of like 
this paper right here is saying I'm a failure if I don't breastfeed her. Yeah. And then yeah. Brennan eventually took that like away from me. And he was like, you can't look at this anymore. Yeah. And you know, I, that is something I've like just of other friends that I know who have had, who've said something similar along the lines of like the hospital is just so heavy handed, such a fear monger and so much pressure and doesn't take into consideration mental state, physical trauma, you know, or like decisions. Right. And so I completely understand that kind of that fear, that hesitation and that block, because it really is instilled at like the very first moment of becoming a mom. Well, especially if you're already anxious about things, right? So like you just layer that on top, it just, you know, heightens everything. Yeah. And I just had this like voice in the back of my head that was like, if you don't breastfeed her, you're failing. Like you're letting her down, you're letting her down, you're letting her down. And then and therapy is like a strategy that you talk about all the time is like, well, what would you say to a friend in the same position? And obviously what I would say to my friend is like, you have to take care of you. You can't take care of your baby. If you don't take care of you, your mental health is so important. Fed is best. It doesn't matter how you feed your baby. I said, logically, I know that, but it's, that's not loud enough to like go over this voice in the back of my head. That's like, you're ruining her life. Yeah. No, and you know what, that is something that you are not alone in that experience either. And like you said, logically, we would know or what we would say to a friend, but we also have to give, you know, be kind to ourselves and give ourselves that permission as well, which is so Mm -hmm. hard too, when you are dealing with trauma, your postpartum, your hormones are fighting, you're sleep deprived, right? There's all these things stacked against us. Actually, Katie, I remember you messaged me shortly after Matilda was born and you said like... I think you said day three is really hard because you use the terminology, you're essentially going to fall off a cliff hormonally. Yeah. And I remember you said that and then it happened. And I was like, whoa, like that was a really good way to describe it. She's absolutely right. That's how it felt. Like it's crazy. Well, I'm glad that you were able to be a little prepared for it, even though you can't be prepared for that drop off, but you're right. Like, I'm so glad that, you know, you had mm-hmm. an idea that it was coming because if you don't know that about day three or four and that hormone drop off, it is completely blindsiding. Yeah. But Matilda was like a healthy baby, a happy baby. Um, she never really had the sleepy newborn phase. Like she was awake and like alert a lot. Um, it was funny in the recovery room Brendan like basically he said so like I guess your parents are coming in our bubble eh you've got six weeks of like hard recovery and I was like yeah like there's no way like we can't do this without them Brendan only had a week off work because him and I have the same um employer so only one of us could be like collecting EI at a time um so he took a week off which was great and then he was only working half days so he wasn't gone for very long but I couldn't, Amanda, you know, you've done C-section recovery. Like I couldn't. Can't do anything. Getting out of bed right? was hard. And the uh, thing is, you got to make sure that you just focus on your recovery because you need to recover properly, right? So yeah, you definitely did need your parents in your bubble because you need someone to support you. Yeah. And I, another thing, actually, Amanda, that you had mentioned or was in the mommy mentorship program about like staying ahead of your meds for C-section. And I had read it before, 
but I, I kind of thought like, oh, I'm not having a C-section. And then I did. And I remember like setting alarms and taking meds like to the minute to try and stay ahead of the pain. And that really helped. That's good advice. Yeah. I always found that I never felt pain and everyone's like, you never felt pain. I'm like, no, now you might've a little bit cause you were recovering from both. You had to recover from being in full labor plus a C-section, right? So like an emergency C-section yeah. is definitely harder to recover from than a planned C-section, right? Because you skip the whole going into labor thing. You just had a C-section, right? But yeah, staying out of your meds is definitely like one of the most important things with a C-section, right? Yeah. So I guess I did all the parts of a vaginal labor except pushing. I never pushed, um, but was in transition. So thank you so much for sharing your experience with us because this is like kind of you had an amazing journey into mother you really have like from the very beginning all the way through like your journey really is such an amazing journey you were such a strong woman well thanks I mean it doesn't feel amazing right it just feels like that's just what we did but the other day someone asked me about something like oh having another baby whatever and I was like Honestly, it was getting pregnant was hard. Being pregnant was hard. Her birth was hard. Breastfeeding was hard. It's finally starting to feel like I know what I'm doing and I can like, and it's it's not easy, but it's easier. And I just want to enjoy it being easy for a while. I'm not ready to think about going back to all those hard things again. Yeah, I don't blame you. So, but I mean, I'd love to have another baby, but I don't know if that's in the cards for us, so. Yeah. And like you said, enjoy the, enjoy the enjoying part right now. Thank you for listening to this episode of that pregnancy podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for an upcoming show, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at best life moms club until next time.